Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast where three literary matchmakers set you up with your next great read using only dating app questions like, do you consider yourself a romantic? What is your dream Saturday? If tattoos only lasted one year, what would you get? What's your go-to karaoke song? This is Blind Date with a Book. Prepare to fall in love. Welcome to Blind Date with a Book, the podcast that sets you up with your book, Meet Cute. I'm one of your hosts, Rachel Manns McKenney, and I'm an author and book reviewer from the Midwest. I'm Elena Nicolau, and I'm a senior entertainment editor at Today.com. I'm Kristen Evans, a critic and culture writer based in Cleveland, Ohio. Today, we're setting up Chelsea Hill, a chorus manager and New York City-based illustrator. Chelsea's work is often inspired by eccentric New Yorkers, as well as legendary musicians and performers. Her work has been featured as part of the Link NYC Urban Haiku Program, the Women Conductors Series, and her clients include the Met Opera Chorus, Broadway Roulette, and more. She recently read and loved Fun Home by Alison Bechtel and Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and she's a total fan of sweater weather and awesome coats. She adores iced coffee, doesn't believe in horoscopes, and wouldn't consider herself a romantic. Her dream vacation would be in Scotland, and she loved Somebody Somewhere on HBO's as a nice nod to Midwestern life. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. It's good to be here. So you said in your questionnaire that you totally think you're born in the right time period, except sometimes you're drawn to other time periods fashions. So what are some other sort of fashion time periods or fashion pieces that you're especially drawn to right now? Oh my goodness. Well, you mentioned it in my my intro. I am a total coat lady. Um, I actually just counted my coats yesterday and I have 95. (laughs) My tiny New York City apartment. I kind of shocked (laughs) myself. Big fan of the swing coat, which, you know, is a nod to the 50s. I love bold print. So uh, the 70s right there. Yeah, anything that's just fun and whimsical, you know, fashion should be something you enjoy. And for me, it's it's an art form. What are some of your favorite colors to wear in we're recording this in the spring. So what are some of your favorite spring colors? I'm not not necessarily a, a season person when it comes to like what colors I wear, just as long as it's bright and fun, I'll wear it year round. That's awesome. So I know one of your jobs was to work at the Met Opera. So what was it like backstage at the Metropolitan Opera? It was wonderful. Um, it's it's chaotic. I was a dresser at the Met um, and I was fairly full time. So I was contracted to work on 21 shows out of the 26 that were in that season. Chaos. So at the Met, it's, it's, it's a total machine. So we'll rehearse an opera in the morning and they'll take the set apart truck it out, truck in that evening's performance opera, and then I will dress a different opera that I need. So at any given time, I'm working on five shows at a time. So you're learning a different track in the morning, you dress a different track in the evening. So I, I really enjoyed um, just like kind of the fast paced nature of that that job. And obviously working with the opera singers, uh, particularly the Met Opera Chorus was a, a real highlight for me. I did anything from like basic repairs to extreme quick changes to dressing 20 people in a show. Yeah, it was the, I really liked the variety of working there and I, it was never a dull moment and you had to think fast on your feet and I saw a lot of really funny things and I, I did, I love the job and then the pandemic happened. So everything right. shut down. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you do so, so much illustration on your own, including, you know, I should say our logos for our show. We, we contracted your work because we loved it so much. So we noticed that you design artwork for a lot of musicians and music yes. related. So what 
What makes illustrating for that kind of client unique or interesting to you? Well, I'm a trained singer myself. Um, my background is as a, a vocalist. I moved to New York City to uh, pursue musical theater. So I've always loved anything related to the performing arts, um, but really grew up loving opera. So for me, you know, my visual art reflects, you know, my natural interests, which is music. So it's it's fun to combine kind of the music world's particularly like highlighting a certain opera singer and then also including like fun fashion in it. So kind of a hybrid of my two natural interests, um, as you would. I find that I've found a um, particular niche that I don't really know a lot of other artists who specifically draw for opera companies um, or musical theater. They kind of blend into each other. It's fun. It's I get to combine, you know, the visual side to the music side. Um, and I very much so enjoy doing it. And through even just my work at the Met Opera, like they found out I was an illustrator, like I got hired by the chorus to do their logo. So it's, it's cool melding the world, the two worlds, because I do work within the arts. And as you'd mentioned in my intro, I'm also a chorus manager. And my current company, the Brooklyn Youth Chorus, also hired me to do illustration work for them. That's so awesome. Seems to, to be a pattern. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> as long as they're paying you for that yes. illustration work. <laughs> now, um, you know, onto book life. So what keeps you from reading? Time um, and motion sickness. So my free time really is on the subway. Um, mm. I can do audiobooks, but, you know, especially in this day and age, it's, it's important to kind of be aware of your surroundings. So it's best not to zone out too much. But I, I will say time. I, I don't have a lot of free time. Excellent. Well, we hope to find a couple of book recommendations for you today that help carve out those few minutes every day to make you want to pick up a book again. So Chelsea, over the next two rounds, we're each going to introduce you to books that we love. So we get points based on how much you like these these book dates we're setting you up on. So you're going to win no matter what with some great recommendations, but one of us is going to win by being this week's best matchmaker. And if we win, we get to represent our favorite indie bookstores. So today I'm going to be playing for Moon Palace Books in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Elena, who are you playing for? I will be playing for Binnacle Books in Beacon, New York. And Kristen, what indie bookstore are you playing for? I'll be playing for Penguin Bookshop in Swickley, PA, which is right outside of Pittsburgh. Excellent. Okay, Chelsea, get ready for your literary meet cute. All right, Elena, let's hear about Chelsea's first pick. All right, Chelsea, I sensed in your questionnaire the running theme of being drawn to community. You said that your perfect day would be spent walking through an interesting town, and you also wrote that you like Somebody Somewhere on HBO, a show set in a small Midwestern town, and it's also a great show. Just a recommendation to everyone listening. So I started looking for a book that had the coziness of Gilmore Girls, but twinged with the unusual and the offbeat and unlikely animals, a 2022 novel by Annie Hartnett sprang to mind. The book's first quirk, it's narrated by the ghosts of Everton, New Hampshire Cemetery, who watch the townspeople of Everton and keep track of their lives. They're excellent gossips because while they have an eye for detail, they're also rooting for the earth dwellers to succeed and be happy. It's never mean-spirited. The story begins when Emma Starling, a medical school dropout, returns home from California to a family in total disarray. Her dad has a mysterious brain illness and has given the reins of his life over to a dead naturalist who had lived in the town centuries before and who he believes he can see. Her mom is throwing in the towel and having an affair with a doctor. 
Her brother is looking to find his footing after returning from rehab. Meanwhile, Emma is trying to reawaken her healing powers, for she was born with a literal magical healing touch and potentially track down her estranged best friend who went missing a year ago. This doesn't even touch on all the many side characters who populate the vibrant yet down to earth, tragic comic yet hopeful novel. My favorite characters are the dead ones, to be honest. There's a lot going on, but our ghostly narrators tie the book together with a comedic verve and a sense of cohesion. You get the feeling that all of our lives have a big picture if only we could zoom out like the ghosts can and eventually when emma and her family forge meaning in the face of loss you will be as moved as the ghosts are that is unlikely animals by annie hartnett all right so lena's first round pick is unlikely animals by annie hartnett okay Kristen, what's your first round pick all righty chelsea since you're an artist who loved elizabeth gilbert's big magic i thought i would reach for a slightly different kind of book about creativity It's the perfect read for someone who would rather have something interesting happen than something good. And because it's a collection of essays, it'll help you exercise that reading muscle while giving you plenty of on and off ramps along the way. Larissa Pham's pop song, Adventures in Art and Intimacy, is beautiful, deeply observed, and rangy. Although the title hints at Pham's love for music, the collection is more interested in capturing what it feels like to interact with and be engaged by art and beauty, including painting, literature, and the natural world. Femme has something interesting to say about the color blue, visiting Georgia O'Keeffe's home in the desert, running late at night, and recovering from burnout. She meditates on the work of Agnes Martin and the photography of Nan Golden on BDSM and Joni Mitchell covers. Through it all, I was completely captivated by her voice and by her ability to weave disparate ideas together into an astonishing whole. Fam has a poet's, or perhaps a collagist's, eye for juxtaposition, which makes her essays all the more moving and memorable. Although she's clearly dealing with a heartbreak, I don't think the occasional remembrances in pop song will put off someone who doesn't have a romantic streak. Come for the pop culture references made new, stay for her beautiful musings on seeking out galaxies at Yale's observatory, or developing her first role of film. There's so much to marvel at here, and thanks to Fam's ability to illuminate, it all feels like a gift. All right, so Kristen's round one pick is Pop Song by Larissa Fam. For my first round pick, Chelsea, you say that in your questionnaire, you prefer interesting things to happen, that you're impressed by your best friend's diverse talents, and that your dream vacation would be going to Scotland. Although you claim you're not a romantic, I have no choice but to recommend a book with the subtitle A Love Story to You, and that book is Anatomy, A Love Story by Dana Schwartz. This isn't a romance novel, though. Hazel Sinnott, the main character, wants to be a surgeon, but in 1800s Edinburgh, that dream seems as likely as her making it to her 20th birthday single. After a chance meeting with a body snatcher named Jack, though, she finds a steady supply of corpses to continue her medical research on. The two of them find more trouble than just securing bodies, and in fact, have to make sure that their own lives don't get wiped out by a mysterious force moving through the community. There are some fun Frankenstein callbacks in this book, too. Sure, there's a tiny love story here, but the main plot is a woman determined to make her own way as she falls in love with the field of anatomy. It's an extremely moody setting in Edinburgh. It's very plot-driven and really fun. Anatomy is a book that gets you back into the swing of reading again. Bonus points, since you said that sometimes you enjoy an audiobook. It is read with the most beautiful Edinburgh accent you've ever heard, if you like that kind of thing, which I certainly did. Okay, your round one picks are Elena's pick, Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett, Kristen's pick, Pop Song by Larissa Pham, and my pick, Anatomy, A Love Story by Dana Schwartz. 
What do you think, Chelsea? Which would you pick? Oh my goodness, all of them? Um, wow. I would, oh my goodness. They all sound awesome. But I think the one that I, like a little spark went off is a pop song. Excellent, excellent. So that essay collection by Larissa Sam. Excellent. I know when I was hearing Kristen talk about that, I was like, oh, that sounds really, really wonderful. So where that leaves us at the end of the first round is that Kristen has 20 points. And that will lead us into our second round of three more great recommendations for you. All right, welcome back to round two of Blind Date with a Book. We're setting up illustrator Chelsea Hill with six great recommendations. We've already done our first three and Kristen's ahead with 20 points. So let's get into our new round of recommendations. Elena, how about you kick it off for us? All right, Chelsea. So two things from your questionnaire stuck out for me for this next pick. The first is that your on-the-spot TED Talk would be about illustrating for music and music organizations, and we already know how much music plays into your life. And the second is that you're generally happy to be living in the present day, but that fashion is the one thing that would draw you back to the past, and I wish I could go shopping in your coat closet. All of that leads me to believe that you would love spending time with Opal Jewel, one half of the punk duo at the center of Donnie Walton's 2021 book, The final revival of Opal and Nev. The first time that Opal puts on one of the colorful, flowing, feathery outfits that would come to define her, Opal feels totally transformed into a new person. She's no longer the scrawny girl with alopecia that people made fun of in Detroit. She is a music icon and her defining album is on the way. Fashion is so important to the book that Opal's designer is even among the book's narrators. But first, let me rewind. The final revival of Opal and Nev is the story of a short-lived, iconic Afro-punk rock duo in the 1970s who partly become famous for their music and partly because of their involvement in a tragic incident whose repercussions live on to the present day. Now, when you first read the book, which is structured as an oral history and a book about the band, you might be confused, googling Opal and Nev, wondering if the duo exists and you somehow miss them on the radio. But no, the history is just that convincing and the characters in their narrations are just that lived in that you'll briefly believe they're real. The book within a book is written by the daughter of a drummer who was killed at one of Opal and Nev's live shows. You know what I said about the tragedy. She's covering the band's rise and fall and their final reunion. In doing so, she's learning more about her own past. In the book, you're going to hear the story of a band and also learn who you can trust, whose memories clash with whose. The only drawback is that you can't listen to Opal and Nev's music, but you'll probably wish you could. Since you write that you don't really have a memory for lyrics, though, maybe you won't mind not being able to hum along. That is The Final Revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton. Okay, so Elena's round two pick, The Final Revival of Opal and Nev by Donnie Walton. Kristen, what's your round two pick? Chelsea, in your questionnaire, you mentioned that your perfect day would be wandering through an interesting neighborhood, perhaps getting some bougie coffees or thrifting, maybe some more wonderful coats, it sounds like, then returning home to make art. When I read this description, all I could think of was Emma Straub's new novel, This Time Tomorrow. Straub is the owner of Books Are Magic in Cobble Hill, and one thing she always manages to convey effortlessly in her books is a sense of the city's magic. Her latest is no exception. This Time Tomorrow opens as Alice, a private school admissions officer in her mid-30s who gave up on doing anything with her art degree, is caring for her novelist father, Leonard, who is in the hospital. Leonard is the author of a best-selling novel about time traveling brothers which was turned into a popular tv show 
Alice is grateful for the security her father's success gave her, but now that she's grown up, she's missing something and she can't quite put her finger on it. She has a boyfriend named Matt who is, you know, fine. (laughs) Her job, like many jobs, is stressful but tolerable. Then, on the night of her 40th birthday, Alice returns to her empty childhood home and falls asleep, only to wake up back in 1996 on her 16th birthday. And she's able then to move back and forth in time and relive her 16th birthday kind of over more than once. How will Alice spend this new pocket of time with her younger, healthier father? How will she navigate her teenage friends, newly obsessed with Winona Ryder, and making out in Central Park, and taking the SATs, knowing everything that she knows? What does it mean, finally, to move forward? This novel is a feast of vintage 90s references, a love letter to New York City, a time travel adventure, and a book about growing older gracefully, all rolled into one. I hope you love it. Okay, so Kristen's round two pick is This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub. Spoiler alert, I have another bookstore owner author as my pick. So in a mansion in South America at the opulent birthday party of the country's vice president, a private performance is being held. The world's most renowned soprano, Roxanne Koss, is performing. The food is divine and everything's perfect until terrorists take over the entire party and take them hostage. This is the first chapter of Anne Patchett's Bel Canto, and from there, the book only gets more rich and intense. Your love of all things opera, plus your love of people's unusual quirks and interests, makes me think that you would dive headfirst into this novel and love it unreservedly. Though the book starts as a harried, life-threatening situation, like opera itself, it shifts as people overcome language barriers and societal roles, and they bond together to become lovers, friends, and saviors. There's nothing like this book, and I mean that. The experience is musical and in and of itself. The prose as good as any soaring aria. Patchett is the best in the business at spinning a tale, and I think this novel would remind you of what a book can really do. That's in Patchett's Bel Canto. Bonus points that this book about an opera was turned into an opera in 2015, so you can go and enjoy that once you're done. Okay, Chelsea, your round two picks are Elena's pick, The Final Revival of Opal and Neff by Donnie Walton. Kristen's pick, This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub, or my pick, Bel Canto by Ann Patchett. Wow, excellent choices. The Bel Canto, I have seen the movie, and I love that they used Renee Fleming as the the voice, the opera singer, sang Costa Diva, big fan. I think because I absolutely love this bookstore, books are magic and it's right by where I work, I'm going to go with This Time Tomorrow. That's my my pick. Yay. Wow. It's uh... <laughs> It's not going to be out for a few more months, but it might be out by the time we air. So that's very exciting. <laughs> okay. I know. It's it's going to be one of those splashy books of the year. I was so jealous that obviously Kristen's had a chance to not only read it, but also recommend, recommend it before us. <laughs> oh, big summer book. Yes, it's on the way. Yeah, everything she writes is so good. After you read this, you're going to want to read everything Emma Straub writes. They're very like fast paced and delectable. Yes, absolutely. And her um, short story collection has a distinct Midwestern flair. So if you want to go all the way back to her very first book, Other People We Married, uh, it might remind you of somebody somewhere, which could be nice. Oh, cool. Well, it is beyond a doubt that you connected on like a spiritual level with Kristen this episode because she blew (laughs) everyone away. (laughs) She is our absolute champion this episode, which means our lovely Swickly bookstore, Penguin Bookshop, gets a chance to be this week's winner. Congratulations, Swickly, and congratulations, Kristen. (laughs) Woo! 
<laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Where can we find you on the internet if people want to see some of your illustration work? Um, you can find me on my website. You can find me on my website, ChelseaHill.com or Instagram at Illustrating Diva. Excellent. And our winner, Kristen, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me at at Paper Alphabet, P-A-P-E-R Alphabet on Twitter. And how about you, Elena? Where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at at Elena Wonders. And you can find me at R.M. McKenney on Twitter or at Rachel Manns McKenney. That's M-C-K-E-N-N-Y on Instagram. You can find all the books we talked about today in our show notes. And again, those links are going to go to Penguin Bookshop and Swickly. You can find our show online at blinddatewithabookpod.com and at bookmeetcute on Twitter and Instagram. Please follow us and tell us all the books that you've fallen in love with recently. Thanks for listening to Blind Date with a Book. Our show is produced and co-hosted by Kristen Evans, Rachel Mance McKenney, and Elena Nicolau. Our showrunner is Rachel Mance McKenney, and our sound editor is Elena Nicolau. Kristen Evans handles web design and newsletter production. Our theme music was written by Alex Bozzi, and our logo was designed by Chelsea Hill. If you like today's show, please subscribe, rate, and review Blind Date with a Book on Apple Podcasts. Ratings make it even easier for other listeners to find us and join the fun. We'll be back in two weeks with a new guest and more books to recommend. Until then, we hope you're falling for the next book on your TBR pile, whatever it might be.